Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Injury Report Edition. And boy, do we have plenty to talk about today, everyone. If you have, you know, been living under a rock, not checking your phone, there's a good chance that multiple players on your team have unfortunately already been ruled out or questionable for week six. But that's what myself and special guest PFF's own analyst Andrew Erickson are here to do. Tell you who's going to be in, who's going to be out, and what adjustments you need to make to your fantasy team. Unfortunately, severe technical difficulties has our usual third member Dwayne McFarlane on the sideline but I'm confident that myself and Andrew can hold it down Andrew happy Friday my friend yes happy Friday indeed but Dwayne is still here in spirit because we have his Google Doc sheet that has all the injury news and notes that we need so Dwayne pour one out for you you get me back you'll be nice and improved for Sunday night's podcast with Ian so yeah pour one out for Dwayne great day to be great unless you're Dwayne's audio and computer Let's get right into it, Andrew. We got the quarterback, several situations to keep an eye on. Kyler Murray will be playing. Cliff Kingsbury has come out and said that, but he is once again experiencing a shoulder injury that, you know, per fantasy points, Dr. Edwin Porras does seem to be the same AC joint issue he had last year. We did see a little bit of a fall off in Kyler's, you know, just pinpoint precision passing ability last week. But I think the bigger concern could be if the rushing upside goes out the window. So, Andrew, I'm not really worried about Kyler in terms of season long. Like, you're obviously, unless you're just the most blessed quarterback team ever, you're starting Kyler Murray. No fans or butts. But between the Cleveland weather and now this injury with Kyler's shoulder, and by the Cleveland weather, it's wind week. Everyone, happy wind week. Expected to have some 20-mile-per-hour gusts around game time. Like, how really into these receivers are you? Because, yeah, I guess we could see a four wide receiver, you know, primary offense this week with Zach Ertz not playing until week seven. But at the same time, if Kyler's less than 100%, I'm just concerned about this Cardinals offense being able to reach its ceiling because he is so important, obviously, to everything they do. Yeah, you also have the Browns pass rush that he has to deal with, which is number one in the NFL. I know that Clowney's questionable, but they're also without Ryan Hudson. They're their starting center. So another injury to their offense. Again, this game could kind of get ugly. Like we may not see a high scoring affair. You've already mentioned the wind. So, I mean, you're playing Hopkins. I've already moved Hopkins kind of like outside my top 10, basically, basically because he just hasn't been seeing the same type of target share he's seen uh, before. Like last year, he was just 30% target share. So I've kind of moved him outside of that. And even last week when he saw the uptick in targets, you know, he still wasn't a top 10 finisher at the position. So you're hoping he scores a touchdown and gets his usual, you know, 70, 80 receiving yards. But I mean, you're throwing darts with guys like Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, because whichever one does good one week is not the one that does good the next week. So it is a carousel. If it was a better matchup overall, I feel great about kind of throwing a dart throw. But I think with those Cardinals receivers, it's really more DFS plays. I think we talked about it on the podcast, the DFS podcast about Rondell Moore. Probably makes a lot of sense. He's he's used more close to the line of scrimmage. Kyle doesn't have to necessarily stretch the ball, doesn't have to hold the ball as long, won't take hits. So I think Rondell Moore would still be my choice of the ancillary guys uh, between him, AJ Green, and Christian Kirk. Lamar Jackson, who, you know, feel bad for that guy's immune system. He's getting all these illnesses running to and from the locker room, seems like every other week with uh, problems in the old number two area. Back to Back to practice on Friday. He is good to go. Was in full, fully expecting him to be out there and doing his usual goodness against the Chargers defense that is talented. But as we saw against the Browns last week, if they aren't willing to really invest more resources to stop opposing rushing attacks, that's probably fine against like 28, 29 of the teams they'll face. But when you see the Browns, when you see the Ravens, those are the teams kind of built to exploit Brandon Staley's defensive philosophy. 
Also have Daniel Jones, who was able to clear the concussion protocol in no time at all. He will be starting in place of Mike the Draft Glennon. Andrew, with Daniel Jones this week, it's not the most ideal matchup against Aaron Donald and company. But the Rams have been a little bit less uh, world beaters. Where do you kind of have Jones this week? Because, you know, some of the popular streamers, Taylor Heineke, will talk about Terry McLaurin potentially being out. But he's kind of been dinged up because of that. With uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, we got to wonder with a fully healthy Dalvin Cook coming back, could he be throwing the ball a little less? Obviously, Derek Carr in this post-Gruden world has his concerns as well. Like, should Daniel Jones continue to be on that kind of QB1 borderline? And also the fact he's getting Sterling Shepard back. I got him as a mid-range QB2, so I have him at QB18, but I could definitely see myself streaming him if I need to. Again, if we talk about when we get into some of these guys like Taylor Heineke, if he's missing weapons and you need a streaming quarterback, I think Daniel Jones you know, he has everything that you want. He has the mobile upside. He has weapons. He doesn't have Galladay, but he has, he has Shepard. He has Kadarius Toney, and he's playing an up pace game like you know the Rams have a good defense but it's not this impenetrable force that cannot be scored on and Daniel Jones basically every time he's faced a defense where we're like kind of shying away he's finished as what so QB 14 against Denver QB 6 against the Saints and QB 4 against Washington so when we thought the defenses were good he played well but then we thought okay smash spot against Atlanta okay QB 17 all right great so with the Former now being this matchup here, being a, it looks tough on paper. I think that Daniel Jones will probably be saw. I think he'll probably end up finishing around, you know, in that 15 range. So if you're looking for a streamer, I think Daniel Jones can provide you one. Tua is set to return under center for the Dolphins. Missed multiple weeks with that rib injury. We'll be taking the spot of Jacoby Brissett. Not exactly someone I'm looking to stream right away with Devontae Parker out again with Will Fuller. Still an IR, but hopefully Tua being back under center maybe gets us closer to that Jalen Waddle explosion game we've been hoping for. Joe Burrow, after having the throat contusion, is good to go. Not listed on the final injury report. Uh, mentioned this before, but yeah, Taylor Heineke, don't be afraid to downgrade him with Terry McLaurin looking awfully questionable, Kurt. Samuel ruled out. Diami Brown, once again, listed as questionable as well. And we just got some news. Andrew Russell Wilson officially placed on the injured reserve list. So if your team is in a state where you really need Geno Smith to go out there and do something for you, you will have him for at least the next three weeks. I'm not sure if that makes you feel better or worse about uh, the predicament. But hey, we're just here to report the news, not uh, smash in the hopes and dreams of your failed fantasy squad. Moving right along to running back, Andrew Christian McCaffrey out. It seemed like he was on his way back last week. He was practicing unlimited. He was out there on Wednesday, got the midweek downgrade on Thursday with the DMP. So here's the interesting thing about McCaffrey and now Chuba Hubbard. So with Chuba, week, his first game that he was a starter was against the Cowboys. Cowboys get up big in the third quarter and end up just not being great game script for him. What happened last week, though, in a game that they were leading until that block punt in the fourth quarter against the Eagles, the dude ends up with 30 combined carries and targets. And his only reason why he wasn't more featured the week before, Rodney Smith, who I would understand if you all did not know who he was before two weeks ago, he got cut this week while they thought McCaffrey was coming back. So we'll monitor it. It's I'm not sure what the COVID protocols, if they could resign Rodney, even if they wanted to at this point, pay attention to see what happens on Saturday. But Andrew, like if Chuba is, if, if, if it's only him and Freeman that are active this Sunday, like Chuba needs to be in our top 15 running backs. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, we're looking for running backs that are seeing a ton of volume in their offenses. And right now it looks like Chuba Hubbard is kind of slated to see the workhorse role in the offense again with Royce Freeman, you know, occasionally working in, but we saw his routes run increase from that Dallas game. We were very encouraging to see that. 
see the targets. Now, I think part of it has to do with that DJ Moore didn't see a lot of targets as well. So I don't know if we just copy and paste all the target volume from last week for Chuba Hubbard because I don't think DJ Moore is going to see as little volume as he saw last week for a second straight second straight week, especially against uh, a very beatable Minnesota Vikings defense. So, but I think, yeah, I think at least in the top 15, I think I actually have to move him up a little bit. I have it 19 right now, so I think I probably have to move him up. Good stuff there. Nick Chubb also rolled out with a calf injury. Already got some questions in the chat. Appreciate you all tuning in with us here on this Friday afternoon about where this lands with Kareem Hunt. Same thing as last week. Kareem Hunt needs to be in every single starting lineup. And if you try to tell me that you have a team where he shouldn't be, I'm telling you that you're wrong and you need to find a way to get him in there anyway. Right now, I have Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, and Dalvin Cook ahead of Kareem Hunt. I think you could feasibly put Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott ahead of him if you felt like it. That's it. Like, right, Andrew? He needs to be top six. I have him top five. I mean, I, I really like Joe Mixon, but yeah, he's in my top five. So I have, I have yeah. him ahead of Dalvin Cook. I mean, okay. are we going to see fair. Dalvin Cook be the same? I don't know if I'm, I just don't know if we're going to see the same type of volume that we've seen with him based on how well Madison has played. So I feel more comfortable playing Hunt over Dalvin Cook, but yeah, I still have Hunt, you know, fifth overall. Behind Hunt is where it gets a little bit interesting. De- I think Dearness Johnson is their primary backup on the ground because Demetri Felton, while he has had some big plays this year, he doesn't have a carry yet. It's only been stuff as a receiver. With that said, I think it's just going to be the Hunt show. And I've seen a lot of people trying to pull up Kareem Hunt's usage last year as like this kind of... I really hope no one's saying to fade this guy. I understand he wasn't fantastic (laughs) on a pure fantasy points basis last year. But what do we always do? What do we always talk about, people? We are chasing the volume and looking at Kareem Hunt's four games he had last year, just specifically game by game. Don't forget, when Chubb got hurt in that Cowboys game, Kareem Hunt was a game-time decision with a groin injury that week. So week five happens without Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, despite being injured and only playing 70% of the snaps, 24 combined carries and targets. The next week, 16 combined carries and targets in three quarters because the Browns lost by the lost to the Steelers 38 to 7. Baker Mayfield and company weren't even playing in the fourth quarter of that game. Week seven, 90% snaps, 22 combined carries and targets. Week eight, 86% snaps, only 17 combined carries and targets because that was one of those three weird weather games the Browns had where just the play volume for both sides was completely sucked out. So we are anticipating Hunt being one of only five or six backs on the slate pretty much firmly easily projected for 20 combined carries and targets and when you put in the fact that he's awesome and this Browns offense is awesome again people there should be no qualms about firing up Kareem Hunt with confidence as a sky high RB1 and you're like I don't feel confident enough and if you just need someone at running back that is going to be active and feasibly see Five combined carries and targets. I guess Felton would be my pick, but between him and Dearness, I, I don't, I don't want to like recommend that to even like my worst enemy. Maybe, maybe them, but I mean, I'm, I'm in a pretty uh, dire straits in, in one of my dynasty leagues where I was rolling with Nick Chubb, kind of with a zero RB build, and <laughs> right now I'm starting uh, Daryl Williams because I was okay, lucky to fine. have him, and, but I need to start another running back, and I did pick up Dearness Johnson off the waiver wire because okay. I, I, I have nobody else that I can like viably seeing touches and the matchup is good and i know that you kind of just talked about hunt's usage and i mean johnson you know he at most he saw like a 30 percent snap share in some of those games i think two of those games that he played so the fact that you know the focus is obviously on hunt and him seeing like an 80 percent plus snap share like that's in his range of outcomes like that is why he's top five running back but 
Again, I'm desperate, so I think Dearness Johnson will probably be more of the actual backup, where Felton will probably stay more in his gadgety role. I mean, they may sprinkle him with a few more touches here or there, but I mean, the matchup is is prime. Like Arizona's run defense is atrocious. Like thirty yeah. first PFF run defensive grade, and we talked about it on the DFS pod. I liked Cream Hunt then, and now everyone likes Cream Hunt as well. AAF Hall of Famer Dearness Johnson. Hopefully, he carves <laughs> out a role, but I do think it will be the Kareem Hunt show. Damian Williams on the reserve list with COVID nineteen. The Khalil Herbert show, everybody. Like the big takeaway on the uh, waiver wire pod that Dwayne and I do every Monday afternoon. We weren't really sold on Herbert because he's splitting everything with Dame. And you, know, you look at the Bears' last two games, the overwhelming positive game script they've had. It's just not a situation that we expected to continue with them as I think like four and a half point dogs right now to the Green Bay Packers. You remove Damian Williams from the equation, and yeah, we got to bump Herbert the hell up because Ryan Nall, who a lot of times in the fantasy industry we call Ryan Null doesn't bring anything to the table. He doesn't, he has five career rush attempts since 2019. If anything, he might come in and steal some like pass blocking snaps, but I think they're comfortable enough with Herbert as a receiver where that might not even be a case. So right now, Andrew, you know, I took a lot of start sit questions today and I was getting a lot of Khalil Herbert in with these like wide receiver three types and kind of in these flex questions overwhelming majority of start sick questions people with Khalil Herbert I would lean towards Herbert right now I have him ranked as my RB18 he's right there in the same tier as Devontae Booker Alex Collins and um, Daryl and Daryl Williams if you want to kind of switch up their order that's fine but you'd be hard-pressed I think to find 22 23 running backs higher ranked than Herbert are you in the same page Andrew I got him right at RB18 as well guys his nickname is Juice like, this is, yeah. we, we are dying to play running backs with that type of nickname. I mean, I love Khalil Herbert. You guys, if you guys were following us, like, during the pre-draft process, like, Herbert was one of the guys I really liked coming in. And when he was a six-rounder, yeah. I was like, dang, this kind of sucks. But now he's finally getting an opportunity. So that's why I'm, I'm really bullish on him in, in season-long leagues and in DFS. I think that he's a really, really good play. And I don't think that you should shy away from, oh, well, he could get game scripted out. The Bears fall behind. Like, this guy didn't catch a lot of passes in the college level, but he's it's he can do it like if they throw him the ball he's going to be able to catch passes and considering the other running backs they have ryan nall and artavis pierce who <laughs> these guys combined for 10 touches last year when david montgomery was like hurt yeah. and they just think like, and they had cordero patterson so it's like they don't want to use any of these other running backs and they just showed us that they want to use herbert when he had 18 carries in his first kind of featured game you know he's returning kickoffs for a reason because he's really explosive. So I think that he can bust out a, a few runs, a uh, big player too. He looked really good um, before things kind of wound it down towards the end of the fourth quarter. His numbers don't look great because of that reason, but during the beginning of the game when he was fresh, he looked good running the football. So yeah, I like Herbert as a solid RB2 this week. And you weren't the only one that was very high on him in the pre-draft process. We just had to get off him because he went to a depth chart that at that point, we thought he'd be the RB4 behind Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, and Dave Montgomery. But hey, you take away those top three guys, we're balling. You know, it's a, it's a James Robinson story. Like, take away all the competition and uh, all of a sudden you'll be back to being an RV1 in no time. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to let Robinson catch a stray there. That wasn't very nice from me. But moving right along, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon. So this is just Zach Taylor 101 here. Joe Mixon is listed as questionable at some point. You know, Schefter and Rapport are going to tweet at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. Oh, Joe Mixon's going to play. Zach Taylor has already told us not only is Mixon going to play, but he's going to have his full workload. So why did they still list him as questionable? Because Zach Taylor wants to watch the injury world 
burn. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is, I believe, still in the COVID-19 um, situation. So potentially increased role for Chris Evans if Mixon ends up being limited. But again, we are fully expecting Mixon to have that full role. Only reason he should be taken out of your RB1 or RB2 spot in fantasy is to move him in the flex and send a message to the rest of your team. Andrew, the more interesting note that just dropped here was Chris Carson out with the long-term neck injury that's also considered day-to-day. Just, again, if Zach Taylor is, uh, you know, injury fans, worst nightmare, Pete Carroll isn't too far behind in terms of how much we can trust these dudes. So we got Gino under center. Chris Carson is out. It should be the Alex Collins show, as we saw last week, 70% snap rate and a good bet to finish with between 15 to 20 carries and targets. Similar feel as Khalil Herbert and Devontae Booker, Andrew, like it might not feel great, but at the same time, volume is volume for these low-end RB2s. Yeah, I mean, I have him ranked a little bit lower than Herbert. I think that his matchup is way worse. I mean, the Packers' yeah. run defense is, is it's okay. Like, it's a pretty average matchup. But the Steelers' defense, like, we know, like, it's a bad matchup for Alex Collins. And he wasn't really able to overcome a bad matchup last week against the Rams. I know that he just didn't score. If he had scored, he would have looked a lot better, but... Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like on the RB24 fringe. And also, he Geno Smith is starting this game for the Seattle Seahawks. Like, how good is this offense going to be with Geno? I know Geno looked kind of good when he came into the game, but we'll see. I mean, he hasn't started a game, I think, since like 2015. Like, it has like been a long time since Geno Smith started a game. I was looking at his uh, passings prop trying to figure out, is there an opportunity here to take a, an under here? But I have yet to pull the trigger. I do more Geno Smith research. So Alex Collins, if you're rolling, if you need a running back, like, yeah, he's a volume-based RB2 play. Not excited to play him, but again, if you get what you got last week, you're not totally disappointed, but I think that's kind of what the expectation should be. Next up, we got Damian Harris listed as questionable with the rib injury. He's also had the chest issue. Battled two injuries in one game, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) Trust me, the, I know. For those that don't listen to our DFS show, Andrew has been awesome giving out some prop picks. I believe you're like eight and two or six and two on the year. One of those was by one and a half yards. Uh, Damon Harris couldn't quite get there. So Andrew, well aware. So obviously you all know who, in my opinion, the goat of our industry, Evan Silva is. And I was, you know, scrolling through his Twitter feed because he's a smart guy. And actually he was, he quote tweeted Mike Reese, who is one of the better Patriots beat writers out there. And he was saying, and this was on on Thursday that he leans towards no in terms of Damian Harris playing because it was a full pads practice on Wednesday and the fact that Harris didn't participate has Mike leaning in that direction. So Damian Harris did get elevated to limited on the next few days, but you know, as Evan points out, he did lose a goal line fumble last week. He had, you know, Basically, he lost in the game in week one with that fumble. So at some point, Andrew, I know Ramondre Stevenson, I guess, is finally out of the doghouse. J.J. Taylor was inactive last week. But even if Damian Harris is active, man, between the fumbles and now between the likelihood that he's playing at less than 100%, I'd really like to find someone else to start this week. I mean, it's a rotating carousel of which running back is in Bill Belichick's doghouse. It was first Ramondre Stevenson because he fumbled, but then he got moved out of the doghouse because J.J. Taylor fumbled, and now Damian Harris is on his way into the doghouse because he fumbled. Like, this is not a great spot for him anyway. Dallas has been really good uh, so far against running backs. Third, fewest fantasy points allowed to the position. They're going to be facing a negative game script. I have zero faith that the Patriots are going to be playing with a lead in this game against Dallas's high-powered offense. So then, okay, you're already losing out on the pass catching work to Brandon Bolden, who is kind of becoming this James White light version of the, the prolific pass catching Patriots running back. So 
Yeah, Damian Harris, I do not want to play. I, I wrote him up as a buyer beware, basically, in the start sit because, look, they're a bye week, so he's a starting running back, so it's hard for me to say, oh, you could flat out sit him, but yeah. you really, honestly, you'd probably rather him be inactive, so that way you can yeah. actually pivot. Ramondre Stevenson becomes a better play. I know Stevenson can offer a little bit more juice in the passing game as well, but he also falls victim to the same thing with game script. If they fall behind, like, they're not, he's not going to be very helpful, so... Yeah, the Patriots' backfield, it's weird that Bolden kind of, like, might be the safest option, but based on the game script, like, that actually may be the case. So if, if you're desperate, Bolden, maybe five catch for 30 yards. If you just want, like, eight points in a PPR league, that's all you need, then Bolden probably your guy. I would note last week, J.J. Taylor was a healthy scratch, and if Harris is out of the picture, Taylor will almost certainly be active. So I wouldn't anticipate Stevenson just taking, you know, 90% of the carries uh, from the backfield. As Andrew pointed out, Bolton will be there getting the targets. Andrew, if Harris is out, like right now I have Harris RB23. I have the Denver guys just beneath him, Latavius Murray, James Conner just beneath him. I think that's still about where Stevenson would fall. I'd probably try to slide him into that kind of upper tier of the RB3 guys, but he's not like an immediate recommended start or anything. No, I mean, you don't need to. <laughs> it's contrary to popular belief. You don't need to jam in the Patriots running backs. <laughs> There we go. That easy. Who you do need to jam in is Dalvin Cook. I swear to God, if there's a single start sick question involving Dalvin Cook, you all are better than that. I don't even know why I'm pretending like someone would do it. But don't be that guy or girl. Anyway, remove from the injury report, full wheels up. You are not starting Alexander Madison when Dalvin Cook is healthy. They just give whoever is the lead back pretty much everything. So Dalvin Cook, top six at the absolute worst, I have him number three. Some quick hits of guys who are likely to play, but just, you know, keep it in mind. Ezekiel Elliott with the ribs injury, listed as questionable, fully expected to suit up. Melvin Gordon has been limited throughout the last few weeks, continues to play through this hip injury, so don't mind his questionable tag. Same thing with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They keep listing him as questionable because the NFL took away the probable tag and causes people like Andrew and myself to sort through all this stuff and make it just a little bit harder on us because why the hell not Aaron Jones got removed from the injury report he is fully good to go as expected Chase Edmonds still looking questionable with a shoulder injury just realized last week he took the normal snaps a few less rush attempts than normal maybe that was a just a factor of that being a random one game sample maybe they were a little bit concerned about the shoulder injury but I still think he is a perfectly fine low end RB2 that you can bump up a little bit more in full PPR formats Josh Jacobs is fully good to go he had that illness that kept him out of practice on Thursday returned on Friday the big question is how the return of one Peyton Barber might impact this. And also Antonio Gibson listed that's questionable and is good to go. Let's talk about Jacobs just for a quick second here, Andrew, because he's someone over the last two weeks, 18 and then 20 combined carries and targets. We're not used to seeing that out of him in these types of games that were extreme negative game script, the Raiders trailing by multiple scores for most of the afternoon. So he survived Kenyon Drake. Drake's been out there. Drake is not taking away any of this work. He survived Jalen Richard, who was active again last week. The two more boxes that we need to check off are what this post Gruden offense looks like in terms of its new potential rotations and what it's going to be like with Peyton Barber, who, mind everyone, joined this team on like September 6th. I don't think Barber should be taken away early down work from Jacobs, but it's possible. Like right now, Andrew, I have Jacobs pretty much. I have him ahead of all the kind of streamer guys, ahead of Booker, ahead of Herbert, ahead of Collins, ahead of Daryl. I, I do have him behind Chuba, though, because Chuba, compared to those other guys, we have seen him have that heightened role. 
bowl. Are you about right with that RB 16 range or am I being a little optimistic on Jacobs? No, I think that we're chasing the volume. I think, I think the approach is correct here. We're looking at his touch counts the last two weeks. It's been the highest, the best two weeks. And I have him RB 17. So I'm right in line with you on, I mean, I get the matchup's not great, but I mean, Denver gave up over hundred rushing yards to Najee Harris, who is a bell cow back. And that's the thing with Jacobs. Like you cannot overvaluate these defenses that on paper look like they're good. Cause when you watch the games, it's like, like Miles Sanders pulled off big runs against the Bucks. Like it, it happens. You know, these guys make plays against defenses. It's not, they're just, they're not just running into a wall. Like the numbers would necessarily indicate. Like they can actually, you know, find creases, make plays, especially when they get so many opportunities to do so. So don't necessarily look at the match and be like, oh, cannot play Jacobs because he's getting involved in the passing game. I think that's kind of the skeleton key. If, if a running back seeing work in the passing game, it doesn't really matter what the matchup is. So I do think that Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense. And to, to figure the point on Peyton Barber, I mean, I think he was brought in because of Gruden, not necessarily Mike Mayock. I think you're right. So. Mike Mayock's like Mike Mayock was obviously part of the drafting of Josh Jacobs. So that's his guy. And now that he's more in control than ever before, I think that I would probably assume that he would see more of the heavy workload and not Peyton Barber. But things this this Raiders offense is going to be interesting to see how things play out. Um, I think that they're interesting. If you're buried in DFS, swap to Raiders players because there's not a lot of confidence in really any of them. And we could see them potentially, you know, have a standout game as they try to react to what happened to their coach. Yeah, I love stacking Jacobs with that Raiders D. Teddy is popping as someone that could be under a lot of pressure this week. I'm with you. I think that's how it works out with Jacobs, but we'll know a lot more after this week is done. Wide receiver group. Got a lot to go through here. Tyreek Hill listed as questionable. He did get a limited practice in on Friday. Andy Reid himself said that he was bouncing around pretty good. And one of Andrew or Dwayne added to our show sheet on Reid's belly like a baby, which is a pretty uh, weird image that will now be probably seared into my mind for the better part of this weekend. Fully expecting Tyreek Hill to be out there, though. Let's just for devil's advocate, worst comes to worst, like Andrew, I guess, Gordon and Mecole and probably Demarcus Robinson would all kind of start floating around that wide receiver three range. But if anything, I just think it'd be kind of a downgrade for Patrick Mahomes and a sign that Travis Kelsey might have 30 targets. Yeah. And don't forget about Byron Pringle too. Now Pringle was running routes, 33% uh, routes run per drop back in their last game that they played. Josh Gordon really didn't play that much. And Demarcus Robinson, look, this guy just doesn't get targets. Like they just don't throw him the ball. He's always running routes. So any of these guys could pop off and have that random, you know, four touchdown game, which does happen sometimes with Mahomes. Like some of his five touchdown games have actually come when one of these ancillary pieces has kind of popped off and it actually hasn't been a Tyreek or Travis Kelsey game. But I, I will say it makes things really interesting for DFS when you're trying to stack Mahomes. So you stack him with Kelsey, obviously, and then you have these fringier pieces that it's really kind of luck of the draw. Like whichever one you pick, you know, Hardman is obviously the favorite because we've seen him kind of, at least in the preseason, we saw Mahomes like really jam in targets towards Nicole Hardman when Tyreek Hill was not active in one of the preseason games. So Nicole Hardman in year three, like this is why they drafted him to be a direct backup. You always talk about him being the handcuff, the rare wide receiver handcuff to Tyreek yeah. Hill. And this would be the spot where you would freaking play him. So if you have a Cole Hardman, like you're going to fire him up uh, if there's no Tyreek Hill. And will he be Tyreek Hill? Only time will tell. Well, I'm going to go with no, but he, if he could be 80%, then that's still <laughs> we'll a usable we'll uh, fantasy piece. It's very true, and this kind of leads us to the next situation. I think the only clear 
top two handcuffs in the league where you could like start them with confidence if one of the team's big three wide receivers got hurt are Tyler Johnson with the Buccaneers, and that's partially because Scotty Miller is on IR. Usually that would complicate things. And Gabriel Davis with the with the Bills. I think those are the two clear-cut top wide receiver four handcuffs in terms of they'd actually still get the volume and they're good enough players to make some use out of it. So yeah, Miko, biggest bump, but... You know, we're still not going to be ranking him as like a top 20 receiver or anything like that if Tyreek happens to be sidelined. And with the Chargers, we got Mike Williams, questionable with a knee. Did not practice all week. It is L.A., though, in the Chargers. And we have kind of seen this with Keenan, with Eckler. While with most other receivers, we would assume a full week of DMPs would mean they're not going to play. For some reason, man, because it's the Chargers, I just think there's still a chance Mike could get out there. It's with the same knee injury he hurt last week, and then he came back onto the field. Hey, I mean, when Dalvin Cook suffered this ankle injury at first, he came back in that game. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. I get it. But with Mike, you know, it's just kind of a wait and see. So Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, upgrades for him but like Andrew I'm not rushing to start either of these guys if you need someone as a late replacement that's fine I almost lean Guyton I think Palmer will be the sexy one everyone wants to say but Guyton's the one that's been in the offense longer and I think Guyton would be the guy having a spot in two wide receiver sets yeah I, you could even see them I mean if they do that they could even go with more 12 personnel I mean they have two good tight ends that they're using they're using Donald Parham a lot they're using Jared Cook so yeah I think that Palmer probably would not be the play he's not kind of he has not established himself as the number three it's been Guyton all year and Guyton's been okay at times and he was obviously really involved last year he has chemistry built in with Justin Herbert he's a downfield threat he's obviously not the alpha wide receiver that Mike Williams is as a body but I mean for people that have been kind of not like down on Keenan Allen because the guy is getting a, it's still an insane target share, but you know, Keenan Allen is kind of doing his things. He's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. He's not necessarily putting up a ton of yards, but he's getting a lot of receptions. So you're going to see again, kind of like Kelsey where Kelsey is going to see like 30 targets. Like Keenan Allen is probably going to see like 19 targets in a game, which we've seen before. And I think it's just a boost for guys like Eckler, um, even the tight ends as well. Like I mentioned, like I think that it's probably less about like really focusing on Guyton as just like the other, you know, top tier pieces of the offense. I mean, we could see, Eckler and Allen both get double-digit targets. That would not surprise me at all. KJ Hill was also there to mix in. Uh, Andrew, could you name what team Tyron Johnson is on right now? He's on the Jags. Oh, no hesitation. He's on the Andrew Jags. Erickson. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, because last year it was always like Guyton versus Tyron Johnson. And I remember just there was like this giant assumption by everyone that Tyron Johnson was just like the better, more productive guy. And he was some weeks, but yeah, Guyton's always been good, and he's capable of making these big plays down the field, and obviously Herbert's got the sort of howitzer for a right arm that makes that possible. Both Vikings wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, just fine and are not even listed on the injury report despite racking up the DMPs throughout the week. So continue to start them, particularly Justin Jefferson with confidence. DeAndre Hopkins returned to practice on Friday after missing Wednesday and Thursday with an illness. He is good to go. You know, we got the win. We got Kyler's uh, AC joint. Not loving it, but Andrew, we talked about this on a DFS pod. I still think Hopkins, you know, if he can get all he needs is one of these 12 to 15 target games that we know is coming at some point. Hey, if the Browns are able to score points with the best of them, which they have so far this year that could be a sneaky uh, DFS GPP play this Sunday we also got Juju Smith-Schuster out for the season with this shoulder injury James Washington has been limited with the groin Chase Claypool limited with a hamstring both guys are expected to play I was surprised, Andrew. I looked up uh, just PPR points per game leaders at wide receiver this year. Deontay Johnson is 12th. 
Chase Claypool is 18th still this year. I know it hasn't always been pretty, but he's been putting up uh, the numbers. With Juju out, obviously we're starting Deontay all over the place, but now more than ever, I think we can actually start to get back behind Claypool as someone that should be started in lineups of most shapes and sizes. I mean, this was the process play when we thought Juju Smith-Schuster was going to leave Pittsburgh this offseason. Ah. We talked about it being... You know, who's this year's Chris Godwin? It was Deontay Johnson. It was going to be, you know, Chase Claypool. And now they get the chance to do that. And it seems like there's kind of a delay on, you know, people getting behind Chase Claypool. I know I have him as a top 20 wide receiver. And it's the big benefit. Like, people are just like, oh, like, he sucks. But, guys, if he throws a dump off past Chase Claypool, Claypool is making plays. Like, that's what Juju was not doing. Like, Juju was catching the ball and falling down four yards. Whereas last week we saw Claypool like rip off a massive yards after the catch play because that's part of his yeah. game. Like he's just a big alpha wide receiver that makes big plays either down the field or after the catch. That's one of the reasons why I thought he was a breakout candidate this year because he was he ranked extremely high in both those categories, like average depth of target and yards after the catch per reception. So that's when you have that all encompassing skill set. That's what really profiles as a breakout wide receiver. So Claypool, yeah, I'm starting him. I feel really great about starting him. I get that Seattle. Um, I mean, yeah, Seattle, it's not like Seattle's defense is scary. It's really just about Big Ben and can he deliver? And honestly, Big Ben, he's good enough like in the first quarter before like his arm gets tired that like just hoping that they, they get all the points then. So, and we've seen the target share for Claypool as well. It's been above 20% in both games that when Juju either left or Deontay Johnson didn't play. So I think he's in good shape. Shout out to Steve Manchester, England in the comment. You see me? I got, got my pinky up like I'm, <laughs> as I'm drinking my coffee. Attention to detail, Andrew. Don't leave home without it. Okay. DK Metcalf had a setback on Thursday with the foot, but they've just kind of been managing his reps over the last two weeks. So we are expecting him to be good to go Sunday night. Obviously losing, uh, you know, Russell Wilson is problematic to his wide receivers. But man, oh man, lost in that whole Russell Wilson thing was Metcalf cooking Ramsey on multiple occasions in that. So lock it. Yeah, I am a little bit more concerned about it, but I think we're almost seeing like the Vikings situation play out. Completely different players, but Jefferson is the number one alpha that is going to be started each and every week. Lockett and Thielen are the guys that we could just see a little bit more volatility on a week-to-week basis. Julio Jones back to a full practice. A.J. Brown back to a full practice. Continue to fire up both of those guys as wide receiver twos. Not the worst spot in the world, Andrew. We were talking about this before the show. I mean, Week seven against the Chiefs, like that, okay, that's definitely the game we could see a shootout happening. But don't be scared off of A.J. Brown or Julio Jones just because Tredavious White is there. You found some numbers that suggest that this could actually be a plus spot for him. Yeah, I think this is a good matchup. That's not necessarily like defensively where the Bills have been really strong against wide receivers and quarterbacks. It's looking at pace of play. You know, why did the Chargers-Browns game shoot out last week? Oh, because they were both ranked super high in terms of pace of play. Titans, Bills. Both rank number one in pace of play. Like you want the game environments that are high scoring, and this is going to be one of those games. So yes, I know that Tre'Davious White and the Bills defense has been really good at stopping opposing offenses, but it doesn't matter because the Titans are going to have to score points in this game. So unless they're just going to totally neutralize the Titans' entire offense to do nothing, then I think you're going to see some solid outings from these two dudes. I mean, at least one of them is probably going to pop, and I think that's kind of what we expected anyway, just because of the passing volume just hasn't always been there for the Titans, but. These guys have always been tops in terms of yards per route run, the efficiency metric that we love at PFF, and I think that we're going to see fireworks from these Titans wide receivers. So feel good about them. I know that it can feel kind of weird, especially with waiver wire guys, to go back to these Titans guys who have not really delivered much this year. But, I mean, I have a Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones stack in in one league, and I cannot wait to fire it up. 
There we go. Tannehill, despite losing his top two receivers for most of this year, still PFFs. I believe he's sitting as our sixth highest graded yeah. quarterback, not any worse than eighth. Yeah, guys, getting AJB and Julio back healthy. You can see how that might help a quarterback. And hopefully when you're facing the league's number one scoring offense in the Buffalo Bills, that could cause Tennessee to have to attempt to keep up on the scoreboard a bit more than usual. Sammy Watkins ruled out. Maybe you guys have been starting him. But the big news, Rashad Bateman is back. Guys, wait a week if at all possible. We have no idea what this role is going to look like. Duvernay is still there. Hollywood and Andrews are fully expected to continue to be Lamar Jackson's 1A and 1B options. Hey, the Bateman hype, that's great. Maybe Dynasty long-term is fine. But we also got to remember... Everyone was high on Bateman thinking that the Ravens couldn't pass the ball and that they didn't have a number one receiver. I don't know what we're going to call Hollywood other than a number one wide receiver. Again, I, I say it's that 10 times a week. 12 of his last 13 games, people, 80 yards and or a touchdown. Lamar Jackson has had back-to-back -back games this season, really throughout the season, where they've been in this situation, down on the scoreboard, needing to throw the ball, and he's been just fine bringing them back. So Bateman, I think, will be fine, but there's no guarantee that he just walks in and takes over this passing game, mainly because they really don't need someone to come over and take over this passing game. It's doing just fine flowing through Brown and Andrews as it is. So feel good about having Bateman on the roster Let's wait and see how many targets we're looking at and particularly snaps with him first game uh, of his career before we get too excited. Allen Robinson listed as questionable with the ankle. We are expecting him to play, uh, you know, after getting a limited session in on Friday. Devontae Parker out with a shoulder hamstring mixture. That's why I couldn't get a handle on which one it was because he's got both of those injured. <laughs> uh, sets up another situation for Jalen Waddle. This might be a sneaky breakout spot, Andrew. I know a lot of people were hoping that Devontae Smith was going to be the rookie breaking out on Thursday night. And, you know, that did not even come close to happening. <laughs> but with Waddle, like, I understand his average target depth has been brutal and people are, you know, calling him like Tavon Austin like and all this. He's facing a Jaguars secondary that hasn't been able to slow down anyone. He's getting Tua back. And if you look at his average target death by week, week one with Tua was by far the highest of, of the season. So Jalen Waddle, I'm not necessarily saying you need to jam him in your lineups, but I don't hate going back to well here, Andrew, because someone needs to gain yards against the Jaguars. I'm thinking it might not be entirely Miles Gaskin this week. The Jaguars rank 30th in yards per target to, and receiving yards to slot wide receivers this season. So Waddle mans the slot. He's got two a back. There's no Let's Parker. Go. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's wheels up for Waddle. Yeah, it didn't work out last week, but okay. Miles Gaskin saw 10 targets. Okay, is that going to happen again? Probably not. So I'll, I'll bet on Waddle seeing those 10 targets this week. You know, when you go to the bar and your advances don't work, does that stop you from going back the next <laughs> week? Of course not. Go back to Jalen Waddle. Why the hell not? Preston Williams is uh, listed as questionable. He started the week as a full participant and then was downgraded to limited. Like, I'm at this point, how many more guys do we need for Jalen Waddle to like uh, ball out? How many more guys do we need to be out for Jalen Waddle to ball out? I mean, we're not talking about LaVisca Chenault here. So, man, I'm just hating on these Jaguars today. But, uh, you know, if we lose Preston and even more potential targets for Waddle, I don't think there's enough reason to believe that, you know, between Tua's uh, perhaps uh, focusing more in on Waddle, that Preston is a serious fantasy option, though. 
Now, for the Washington football team, this is why Taylor Heineke, unfortunately, needs to be downgraded, people. Terry McLaurin was practicing in full all week until Friday where he got listed as a DMP with a hamstring injury. We already have Curtis Samuel ruled out with that same groin injury that's plagued him throughout this entire offseason. And Diami Brown, who hasn't been able to play the last few weeks, is listed as questionable as well with a knee injury. Like, if we can galaxy, galaxy brain our way into DeAndre Carter here, Andrew, but I think the real answer here is a bump for RSJ and the guy that, you know, the cool kids, us, we're talking about even before these injuries happened, J.D. McKissick, because one of the things that we need to remember, one of the reasons why, you know, in a past life, we I felt good about Antonio Gibson's chances of getting more targets was because of how much of McKissick's usage was as a true wide receiver last year. If you just looked at running backs who got targets in the slot or out wide, I think the number was like McKissick had 51 targets as a pure wide receiver last year, and like nobody else was over 30. It was a gaudy difference. And they are comfortable using him in that manner. So McKissick, I think McKissick and RSJ deserve the bumps here, Andrew. Maybe the passing game as a whole gets downgraded. But yeah, I definitely don't want anything to do with these backup Washington receivers. Yeah, it's not it's not a great look. I think I think Carter's kind of interesting. He's a guy I've, I've kind of followed truth or status a little bit for through his days, I think, at the Houston Texans. So, But you hit the nail on the head. I think J.D. McKissick is really sharp move to to kind of gravitate towards him because they could just be like we, we need receivers like we need slot guys and i know adam humphreys is still there which is kind of like a forgotten guy but he's still on the <laughs> offense and he's still he had like 70 receiving yards last week so he'll be involved again you're not starting most of these guys in most traditionally i think it's really more a spin on a dfs if people are going to be stacking the chiefs you know which guy do you bring it back with and i think it's still i think Ricky seals jones like i cannot like rank him high enough and the fact that he basically is like a wide receiver like just do not look at him as like a tight end because that's what's going to like get people to like less be or less excited about playing him when the guy is like a six foot four like 220 pound wide receiver like and he makes plays he's explosive so he plays on the outside like plays in the slot so be very confident about rsj i think he's by far the best tight end streamer you can get if you didn't pick him up last week if you need a tight end just go grab him because i think that he's gonna mean 99 percent snap share like that's really all you need to know 100% 100% agree. Been hyping up RSJ all week. Gotta love week six. Another NFC East with all sorts of injuries in a wide receiver room. We got the Giants. Kenny Galladay has been ruled out with a knee injury. Remember, Danny Dimes is fine after clearing the concussion protocol. But we have Darius Slayton questionable with a hamstring injury, although the team is optimistic he'll play. Kadarius Tony is questionable with an ankle injury. Sterling Shepard is back in action after missing the last few weeks with a hamstring. So Shepard's good. Slayton's a maybe. Galladay's out. The good news is, I mean, if all four of these guys were active, that's where we would be have to actually wonder, like, is Tony even going to be in three wide receiver sets? I'm confident that Jason Garrett has seen enough out of Kadarius Tony to play him over CJ Board and John Ross <laughs> at this point. Like that was, I was making that joke on Twitter, and people were like, he had COVID all offseason. What do you want? When the guy is active every single game of the year, and you're designing reverses for CJ Board and not your electric rookie, like, I don't know what to tell you. So with this in mind, Andrew... No one's really going to be playing Darius Slayton. I get that. But let's just kind of removing him from the equation. Shepard and Tony, I think we need to rank Shepard like one or two spots ahead of Tony. They're close. They should be the feature guys. But we have years of evidence that Daniel Jones is perfectly fine targeting Shepard to his heart's uh, desire. Tony, I get it. He looks fantastic in these two weeks. I think both guys should probably be in the top 36, but don't sleep on Sterling Shepard coming back out here and resuming his status as one of fantasy's, you know, more productive wide receivers. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it really goes to a floor, ceiling, kind of safety. Basically, what do you need in your lineup? Like, if you want a safe, if you want six targets, Strong Shepard's your guy. Because I don't know, I can't think of the last time he didn't have six targets in a game. But if you want upside, and I think that just having Sterling Shepard as a receiver playing in this game makes it less likely that the Rams can just focus in on stopping Kadarius Tony. I think it's actually kind of good for Tony. But, I mean, what Tony did in that game, seeing 55% target rate, 24 routes run. He had 180 receiving yards. His yards per route run, 7.88, was the highest ever by a receiver to run in 24 routes in a game in the entire PFF era. So what he did was just out of this world, and you can't really put the genie back in the bottle. The the Tony genie cannot go back in the bottle. So I think that the upside play is still going with Kadarius Tony. I know I'm in the particular league where I'm starting Tony over Allen Robinson because I'm like, I can't start Robinson right now. He's not getting enough targets. They're not throwing the ball enough, and Tony showed me something last week that I want to chase. So I think that if you're looking for upside, Tony's your guy. But Shepard, if you just need consistency, let's say you started some of the, you started Antonio Brown and Tom Brady last night and you have a nice buffer. Okay, perfect. Then you can go roll with Sterling Shepard. Kadarius Tony is projected for more points via our PFF fantasy projections. And Andrew, I, I think he sold me. We should be chasing that upside and I will be putting Tony ahead of Shepard. I guess my biggest point is like, Look, I, I love Kadarius Tony people. He's been playing great. But don't remember, before Shepard got hurt, like he was one of the biggest, like, hey, go out and get him on the waiver wire because he is putting up numbers. When we have Daniel Jones playing as well as he is, it is feasible, particularly with Saquon out, for them to have more than one fantasy-relevant receiver. Don't be afraid to start either Kadarius Tony or Sterling Shepard. On to some tight ends. We got Robert Tunyon was listed as, you know, was looking questionable with a knee injury. He's off the injury report, looking good to go. TJ Hawkinson is still questionable, but just like Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, we are expecting him to make out, make it out just fine. Um, got some O-line stuff to quickly kind of run through. Ronnie Stanley is out for the Ravens. He hasn't played since week one. And Stanley's backup, Alejandro Villanueva, is also looking awfully uh, questionable after starting the week with two DMPs and just barely getting in a limited on Friday. Browns also have some uh, questions. Jack Conklin's listed as questionable. Jedrick Willis had a midweek downgrade. J.C. Treader is questionable. There's something to keep an eye on there. I think we're still all going to Kareem Hunt with the volume and everything, but between all the wind in Cleveland and these injuries and stuff like that, might not be a bad idea to look to a different game uh, in your DFS cash game lineups in particular. With the Cowboys, most uh, questionable guys of the year. I kind of, I was thinking they were going to stomp your Patriots there, Andrew, uh, pretty handily, but with some of these uh, Knicks and bruises coming up. Tyron Smith listed as questionable and his uh and his backup as well. Uh yeah, it's just a again a situation to keep an eye on. Laramie Tunzel is out for the Texans, and we also got the football team, even against the crappy Chiefs defense, potentially out multiple starting offensive linemen as well. Any kind of things that stick out to you here, Andrew? Because I know last week, kind of looking at the Patriots game, we knew all those alignment were going to be out and it wouldn't help Damian Harris. I understand that he still should have cleared your prop regardless of what happened. But any big overall takeaways from here? No, I don't think that. I mean, I think the football team down a couple offensive linemen just kind of hurts the Heineke streaming potential. I think if McLaurin is in there, I think that he's good to go, though. I would not be concerned about... Heineke. I mean, part of his allure is the rushing. And if he's under pressure, he's more likely to run a little bit more. I mean, this is a backup quarterback. This is not a guy who's trying to like save himself for future football games. Like he's playing every game. Like it's his last game ever. So you have, it's a nice mentality to have when you're starting even fantasy football. So I think Heineke is still going to probably end up being a solid play and Tyron Smith being, 
you know, that's always, I mean, it seems like Dak Prescott always has his terrible games whenever Tyron Smith misses. So maybe you knock down Dak Prescott, but you're still going to start him. I mean, I'm not afraid of this Patriots. I mean, yeah. the Patriots defense got shredded by Davis Mills <laughs> last week. So I know they shut down Tom Brady, but then to be shredded by Davis Mills, just a lot of inconsistencies. And Dak Prescott has been too good this year to even consider thinking about not viewing him as like a top eight fantasy quarterback. The Browns offensive line. Again, it's still volume. Like Najee Harris plays with basically backup offensive linemen all the time. So I think that Kareem Hunt will be fine. He's involved in the passing game, which I think is just the main difference why, you know, we're ranking him higher than we would have ranked Nick Chubb if it was a different scenario because they would have probably found someone else to use more in the passing game. But Hunt is the guy. You know, we talked about on the DFS pod, one of the highest target rate per route run um, percentages in the last four weeks. Baker Mayfield's looking for him in the passing game. So if they don't start off the great, you know, running the football, they're going to throw it to Kareem Hunt, and that's more PPR points. Always follow that volume. O-line injuries, matchups, that's fine. Tiebreaker, include them in the process. Don't revolve the process around these things that just, quite frankly, don't have the same impact as just raw touches can in Fantasyland. A couple notes on defense. Khalil Mack is questionable. Akeem Hicks is also questionable. It's been a little while since Aaron Jones has had a true explosion game. If the Bears are down their top two uh, front seven guys, wouldn't be surprised if that comes to fruition. Also, Trayvon Diggs, Cowboys all-world cornerback, who is truly in the defensive MVP conversation, is looking like a game-time decision. Dolphins' Xavier Howard is out. And honestly, after seeing what the Buccaneers were able to do to these cornerbacks uh, last week, I don't really think that playing, again, don't bench your wide receivers because of a perceived tough cornerback matchup. That's exactly what we saw there. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up most of the injury talk here. But Andrew, I think we can talk this Zach Ertz trade and kind of some of the ramifications before we get out of here. For those that have been living under a rock, Zach Ertz was traded from the Eagles, not to the Bills, but to the Cardinals in exchange for a cornerback. Take a one and a 2022 fifth round pick. So Andrew, my first initial reactions were, Great news for Dallas Goddard. Like, if you drafted him as the top six, top seven tight end that we knew he was being overdrafted as when Ertz was coming back to the team, like, you're now feeling good because that is where he should be ranked more weeks than not here moving forward. Maybe he doesn't crack the Andrews, Pitts, Hawkinson level of things, but he has a good chance to, and I think he will be in that tier regardless of how, you know, the production ends up coming to fruition. Uh, for Ertz himself, man, like okay borderline tight end one maybe upside tight end two i don't i'm not expecting him to get more work than max williams was getting and max williams was doing fine my biggest takeaway for the cardinals is damn it because now we're definitely not going to get the full-time four wide receiver sets we were hoping for so rondale moore was starting to take away from christian kirk last week which is a good start but as much as we all just want A.J. Green to be removed from the picture, people, it's not happening. A.J. Green is stationed on one side. DeAndre Hopkins is on the other. Kirk and Rondale are the ones fighting it out for that ever-important slot role. So for me, the Ertz thing just further muddles up the Arizona Cardinals situation. But hey, at least now we got Dallas Goddard as another rock-solid tight end one we can feel good about. Yeah, the usage we saw from Zach Ertz just in, in the Thursday night game kind of can give us an indication of what we can see from Dallas Goddard. 88% snap share, 70% of the team's routes run per drop back. So you definitely like that. You're going to see elite usage for Dallas Goddard, which we were just not seeing because they were just splitting snaps, splitting routes run, splitting targets. So it basically made them both useless unless one of them scored a touchdown. So, you know, Zach Ertz was a great streamer on Thursday night, and that's what you can expect from Dallas Goddard, that same type of production, double-digit fantasy points. I have no doubt in my mind that Goddard will be a top eight tight end moving forward for Ertz. Look, I guess because we have one more week without another tight end integrated this offense, I know we mentioned.
mentioned Rondo Moore. Like, this is the week to play them because yeah. it's going to get more muddled uh, in future weeks with Zach Ertz getting integrated into the offense. Again, teams don't, you know, we think of that. It might take some time for teams to integrate. I mean, Dan Arnold, like, led his team in targets in his second game. So, you know, Ertz is going to get up to speed real quick. He's going to get involved in the offense very, very quickly. So I still think that he's an interesting guy. If you pick them up off the waiver wire to like start this week, I know I did in a couple leagues, like don't, you know, drop, don't drop him. Like, you know, kind of see how this plays out um, as a, as a streaming tight end. He's not obviously as high as Goddard, but I think that he could still carve out a role in the top. I'll, I'll probably rank him inside the top 15 um, yeah. next week. But yeah, I think that this is an important week, especially with like Hopkins also seeing a bump in target share because Mac Williams got hurt. I, I hate to like think that way, but I mean, there, it's no coincidence that Hopkins' highest target share was last week, and it also happened in the same game Max Williams got hurt in. So maybe if one of these Cardinals receivers pops off, it might be a sell-high opportunity. So play him in DFS and try to take advantage of it while you can. Just want to note for all you loyal listeners out there, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you just use the code FANTASY. We have grades and data live for every single player who logs a snap. And every week, the following week, and you can get all of our locked article content, weekly player rankings, strength of schedule info, NFL and college football betting dashboards. We got DFS roster ship projections, a lineup optimizer, everything that you want to have to be a smarter football fan and a smarter fantasy player, we can provide. And again, 25% off any PFF sub. All you got to do is use code FANTASY to get that 25% off. And another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, last 0-0 time in the NFL was in 1943. Seems like a bit of a no-brainer. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw it on $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager, one per customer. Restricting supplies to DraftKings.com. So sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with the game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff andrew you got anything else to go off your chest i appreciate everyone in the comments if you have a uh, specific questions we got like five minutes or so to roll through some stuff you know yeah so send in any more comments you want to get some questions to and andrew what you got going on this weekend Dude, I think I'm going to play some LaVisca Chanel and Showdown on the, <laughs> in the uh, in the London game. I like like the fact that they don't have Xavier Howard, and they're actually talking up LaVisca a little bit. I was doing some deep dive back into Jaguars.com, looking at you know some of this coach speak about Chanel and talking about, hey, yeah, we saw him like make this sick play on a uh, his one target or one catch and get 58 yards. Maybe we should get him the ball more. And when you look at the two games as a whole, the last two weeks without Chark, you know, Chenault leads the team in targets. He leads the team in receiving yards. And Marvin Jones has kind of like disappeared a little bit. And, you know, Marvin Jones is in that category of an older veteran player who, you know, could be not necessarily super productive. But, you know, in terms of yards per outrun, Chenault is still up. I think he's top 12 in the league. Um, his, his numbers actually look a lot like Mike Williams's from an efficiency standpoint over the past couple of weeks. So Chenault, like maybe this is kind of a time to buy low on him again. It's it's he's not a player you need to spend a lot of money on or a lot of 
draft capital or whatever you're trading for him. But I think it could be interesting in the showdown contest. I'm going to play some of him. But yeah, man, just looking forward to more football. Cannot wait. What's the deal with Mike Williams this week? Talked about this shaping up as like a true game time decision. Didn't practice all week. Listed as questionable. I kind of think he tries to gut it out. It's the same knee injury he ended up playing through towards the end of last week. But we're just going to need to wait and see. On Sunday, you should try to find, you know, another option, though. What time is that Chargers game? Are they going to screw us again? No, they're playing in the uh, the early window. They're playing at That's one. good, at least. Yeah. Okay, it's 1 o'clock. So you will know at the latest, about 11.30 a.m., what's going on with Mike. Robert Woods or CeeDee Lamb? We're both going CeeDee Lamb. Correct, Andrew? Yes, Another big week for Najoku. Probably not. Could be Austin Hooper. Could be Harrison Bryant. David Najoku is a great football player. Just realized these Cleveland Browns tight ends rotate all the time. Andrew, would you drop Marvin Jones for McCole Hardman if you have Tyree Kill? I probably wouldn't. Uh, I probably would. I mean, I haven't seen a lot from Marvin Jones to like, I mean, is he the alpha receiver there? Like, I don't know. I, at least I think my Harbin does more for my particular lineup because I have Tyree Kill. I mean, what am I afraid that someone's going to pick up Marvin Jones and start him against me? Like, <laughs> I guess that's, right. that's the way I look at it. It's like, am I afraid that someone's gonna else is going to pick? I mean, somebody dropped OBJ in one of the leagues I'm in. And like, I want to pick him up. But it's like, you know, do I want to pick him up? So, yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to, to make that move. Having the battle between like what we want to happen and what is actually happening. It's hard when you see Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew just popping off the top of, uh, yeah, every freaking thing. Thoughts on uh, Chuba Hubbard this week? Yeah, top 15 running back. Out of all these guys, these backups that are getting boosted up, we have the best evidence that Chuba is going to be the guy getting a true three-down roll. Like the biggest problem for him in that Cowboys game was the presence of Rodney Smith, who is no longer employed by the Carolina Panthers. Um, Andrew, who are you starting one at flex PPR? LaVisca, Renfro, or Allen Robinson? I'm starting LaVisca. That's a tough one. Dude, you can't start Allen Robinson right now. I, I just Oh, like, I know, but what about Renfro? The dude catches five oh, yeah. balls every week. I know. Renfro's definitely like if you look at the projections, Renfro's probably the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you though, because it's also this new post Gruden Raiders offense. We gotta wonder what it's gonna look like. I'm okay going back to the well with uh with Visco. You would like to think when you perform as well as he does, you hey, that's what uh see, and it works the same. It's I'm looking at it like this Miles Gaskin corollary where Malcolm Brown performs performed so bad that they were like, you know what? We have to get Miles Gaskin the ball more. So I think they're going to look at the film and be like, hey, LaVisca Schnault, hashtag good at football. Let's get him more involved. A.J. Brown versus Emmanuel Sanders. Shout out Manny Sanders playing his freaking dick off this year, but A.J. Brown is going to be my pick there. I'm, I can't be as ignorant as I usually am with A.J.B. Start sick questions. <laughs> I, I understand uh, it hasn't been going great, but no, versus Emmanuel Sanders, I'm still going there. Julio or Daryl Williams? I got to see how I have them. It's probably, probably pretty close. I'd probably play Daryl. Again, it, it's, a, it's a floor safe thing, especially when you, whenever it's running backs versus receivers. That's how I always go to the comp. I mean, it's way easier to project Daryl Williams for a legitimate role in the Chiefs offense, whereas Julio could literally go two for two yards and just do nothing, or he could have a, a massive game. So it really depends on your risk tolerance between receiver and running back. You know, Daryl Williams is the way safer projection, whereas Julio, I mean, you're going to have to wait till Monday night anyway, so at least you can probably get out of the way just to play Daryl. <laughs> I lean Julio, but I have them literally within about four spots of each other in my flex ranking. So, you know what, Todd? Your pick. We trust you. (laughs) 
Khalil Herbert over Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sunder, Michael Pittman. Yeah, this is like what I was talking about when we were going over Herbert. Like over these kind of upside wide receiver three types, I'm taking Herbert every single time. Just like Andrew just said, like when we can get 15 to 20 carries and targets, we're going to take that over seven to eight for a wide receiver. The running backs just have the higher floor. Um, from Reynaldo, Tyler Lockett or Kadarius Tony. I'm still going Lockett, right? Yeah, I'll probably roll with yeah. Lockett in that situation. For another week, maybe this time next week, our you know attitude will be different on it. But cautiously optimistic that even if Seattle you know isn't a good team anymore, you would think that not having someone like Russ to be as efficient as they are will lead to them being down the scoreboard and having to throw the ball. So you know Lockett Metcalf, no, they're not going to make the most out of five targets with Geno the way they do at Russ. But if the offense isn't as good, we might see the targets double and make up for the reduced efficiency. Last one from Joseph Blue. Aaron Jones or Chuba this week? It's Aaron Jones, man. What? God. It's the Bears. I was was saying earlier, I was almost mad at myself for asking people if they would have Dalvin Cook in a start sick question. Aaron Jones is just as bad to put in a start sick question. Guys, he averaged like seven yards per carry last week. Joseph, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you listening, but please don't yes. take Aaron Jones out of your starting lineup, even if there's a fire. I mean, and find a way to put Chuba in that flex spot. Like, if you can't find a spot for Chuba Hubbard this week, your team is loaded, so don't worry about it. But just realize, people, true top 15 back on the week. All right, Andrew, we've been here an hour. I hope everyone enjoyed this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We're back every Friday breaking down these injuries, getting you right heading into the weekend. So have a good one. Enjoy the Friday night. Enjoy the Saturday. And then Sunday, we all get to watch what happens. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. Peace.